Mech fans, and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a Fusionaire and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Valhalla Club. I will be your bartender tonight. This is David, and we have a very special guest with us this evening. We have Trend Sparks, the narrator of the Battletech audiobooks. Uh, Trend, say hello. No. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, hello. <laughs> Sorry. There it is. We also have tonight Mike, Ben, Matt, John, and also joining us is Tommy from the Wolfnet Radio Podcast. Hello, Tommy. Hey, I'm not asleep yet. <laughs> well, of course, because we're doing audiobooks yet. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm interested in. Exactly. And it's uh, in the middle of the day. This is true. We don't record until 9 o'clock at night, so... That's usually when we do ours. That's usually when we do ours, too. We're making a special dispensation. We're all over the country today. All right, everybody. So we're going we're gonna to do things a slightly different order this evening. Uh, we are going going to start with the main metal and in in today's episode uh that will be our discussion with trend sparks as i said he is the narrator of the battletech audiobooks and for those of you that are in the audiobook realm uh he has narrated the gray death legion he has narrated several of the ill clan books and is currently working on finishing up the hour of the wolf so trend thank you very much for joining us i know we're we're all very big fans of the universe, and myself and Tommy are very big fans of the audiobooks. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. Definitely. I drive too much. Or not enough. I think that's uh, the case for most of us that are uh, fans of audiobooks. We either have limited time that we can sit down and read the paper, and just listening while we're driving is just more advantageous. It is a very common practice. So, Trent, how did you uh, how did you get involved with BattleTech? Did you seek it out, or were you approached by Catalyst, or how did that all how did that all start? Okay, I, I was when I when I saw the question on the list, I was like, okay, do they mean when did I first discover it, or when did I get involved with it? If it's when I got involved with it, it's a much shorter story. Um, so back in August 2015, I guess, um, Hairbrain Schemes released um, Shadowrun Hong Kong and. A friend of mine who is my dungeon master for my D and D live streams, he um <laughs> why not both stories? Eh. Uh anyway, uh he was gonna be um live streaming Shadowrun Hong Kong from the Hairbrain Schemes offices in Seattle and uh was gonna have a bunch of uh, uh, us friends who are voice actors Skype into the computer and do the uh the the dialogue live because there was only a narrator for like the cinematic cutscenes and whatnot. And so uh, you watch the video, you can see Greg sitting next to Mitch Gettleman. And when we're doing our intros, and I mentioned that I was a professional voice actor, Mitch is like, oh, so this is like a like an audition. I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we get to the very first line for the character that they wanted me to do, uh, which is an orc cop named Duncan Wu. And his very first line is, well, don't you look like shit. And you just see Mitch kind of adjust his position in his chair and adjust his headphones. He kind of looks off camera and smiles and nods at somebody. And I'm like, 
got him. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so in November of 2015, I was working at Capcom. I was on my lunch break and I'm walking back and forth in the, in the parking structure, talking to Mitch on the phone when he said, okay, we're doing battle tech and we want you to do a voice. And I'm like, okay, all right, sure. Yeah. Um, and so they told me they wanted me to do the voice of Mastiff in that. And as we got closer to the day of recording, they told me, actually, we picked somebody else uh, to do the voice of Mastiff. I'm like, dude, it's your game. <laughs> you know, do whatever you're going to do. It's fine. They're like, it's okay. We want you to do a different character. We want you to be the villain. And I'm like, sold. I love doing villains. It's awesome. So they got me to be uh, director Santiago Espinosa in the uh, Hairbrain Schemes Battletech game. And then later... While playing D&D, because uh, John Helfers, the executive uh, editor at Catalyst, is uh, one of the guys in my D&D crew. And he's like, have you ever narrated audiobooks before? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, I want you to do a book. And he gave me Embers of War, and it started there. And we're at up to 13 books now with uh, Hour of the Wolf. So, Trent, how did, you, uh, how did you actually get involved? Like, what is your history with Battletech itself? prior to becoming a part of the uh, audiobook narration? Um, I mean, when I was in high school, you know, back in the 80s, an uh, f- older brother of a friend of mine played, and um, I was over at their place, and they had the game table all set up in the den with all the terrain set out and all the miniatures because they were, like, pausing for, like, an evening or something because, like, apparently they, they took breaks or something weird. I don't know. It was crazy. Um, but... I was very into HO gauge train sets. And so the miniatures like immediately mm-hmm. caught my eye and I was like, Oh, Oh, what is this? And one of the guys had left his notebook open and it's just math. And I'm like, no, I'm out. I mean, the, so much the, math. Yeah. The miniatures are cool. I'm not doing, I mean, there's a measuring tape there. Why do I need that? Um, <laughs> and so years went by and, uh, uh, when I was in the army, uh, some friends of mine played a little bit, but we mostly played D and D. It was a very tangential kind of a kind of a glancing blow. Uh, it wasn't until '95 uh, um, I went to Las Vegas to visit my boyfriend, and um, uh, he taught me how to build a computer. We installed uh, MechWarrior Two on that, and before we even had a chance to play it, he's like, "All right, come on, let's go." And I'm like, "But we just finished." putting this thing together what i don't get to play the game he's like no not yet and so we went to a, a restaurant that i had never heard of before it was a brazilian steakhouse and it was just meat faucet and just turn it on it was just those are God. wonderful oh, yes oh anyway <clears throat> calm <laughs> calm um so after we got done he rolled me back out to the car and we actually went to the uh, Virtual Worlds Battle Center, and I got to jump in a pod, and that was my first time playing Mech Warrior. Was in a pod, which was just yes. glorious. It was yes. amazing. And I was... miss those things. Oh man. Oh man, me too. Those were fantastic. I, me and my buddy from high school, we used to roll up to Chicago, and uh, they had a they had a can't remember what it was virtual world up there mm-hmm. and uh they had a couple of pods up there that paid like 80 bucks or something it was crazy yeah it was it was very expensive the first time i ever played one i think they gave out the free passes to virtual worlds when you bought the hasbro toys from the battletech tv series it had like oh. a little coupon in it 
And the closest one to where I grew up was in Houston. So it was about a four-hour drive away. And I somehow, as a 12-year-old, convinced my parents, yes, let's go to Houston so that I can play this video game. And, well, yeah, they did. And I got to play it, and it was amazing. And that was my own real beginning to the obsession that is now Battletech for me. Nice. Trend with your experience with the with the different novels that you've narrated, uh, I know when you and I were chatting, you said you didn't have a really any experience with the tabletop, but uh, what kind of, what part of the universe that you've explored so far has been your favorite? Do you have a, a favorite you know, story that you've narrated or a favorite character or anything like that or storyline? Wow. Kind of all of that a little bit. Um, so you guys might want to just sit back and, and now I'll talk for a long time. Um, I think from my favorite novel, a lot of people would say that it's like, you know, asking what your, your kids is your favorite, but you know, a lot of parents do have a favorite. They just don't want to say, um, for me, <laughs> I think it was probably icons of war just because in a lot of ways, in a lot of the books and stuff, you just, you kind of focus on the warrior cast or, you know, all the, the fighters and everything, but with icons of war, you know, basically like all these, uh, the, the clan wolf warriors, suddenly their whole plan goes out the window and now they have to kind of extricate themselves from the warrior cast and they have to get, you know, interact with, with the other cast and get involved with those. And it, it, it kind of widened the scope of, of what clan life was like to, to really dig a little deeper into finding out what the other casts, uh, how their, their lives kind of went. I thought that was really, really fascinating and a lot of fun. Um, as for you know, like a favorite character, uh, I think it's probably, I feel like an ass for saying this, but it's probably Devlin Stone just because of, not because of, of him himself, but because I enjoyed playing him the most, because when you start with rock of the Republic, when Tucker, uh, thaws him out of cryogenic freeze, you know, he's, he's old, mm -hmm. but as you go through the rest of the books into hour of the wolf, he just, his body is just breaking down from, you know, the cryogenic process and he just gets older and just more decrepit. And as it goes, and I'm like, and I have to, you know, transition that, you know, with the performance. And I thought that was a lot of fun trying to, to, to make him just start falling apart. It was, a, I really enjoyed that a lot. I did like the way that you, uh, that you voiced devil and stone, especially in, like I'm, I'm really looking forward to Hour of the Wolf because I think the uh, the last ones that I listened to were Rock of the Republic. I think is probably the last last story that I listened to. You still got Children of Kerensky to go then? Uh oh, I and, have it, so I must have listened to that one too. So there's an okay. there's an order to things. Yeah, there, there is an order, and I'm just looking back at my Audible history and seeing what's in my library, and then trying to remember. I usually go back and listen to these things two or three times. Because yeah, there's the parts that I miss while I'm driving, and it's just... Rock of the Republic, Icons of War, Children of Kerensky, Hour of the Wolf. I am sad to say that I actually don't have Icons of War in my Audible Those library, so I need to out. get it. <laughs> Leave this house immediately. <laughs> okay, fine. That was a great I'm, story. I'm still stuck on Mercenary Star, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I love the, I love the, uh, the narration that you did for, for the Great Death Legion trilogy. I think you did a fantastic job on that. I really enjoyed that one too. Um, it's uh, it's kind of funny because you know the first one I did was Embers of War, and then I did Forever Faithful, and then John's like, "Okay, I want you to do a trilogy," and I'm like, "All right, I yeah, sure, I can do that." And I went through the thing, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, when is this?" 
because this doesn't feel like the one I just did. And he's like, well, okay, so we started you out here, and then we're going to jump back to the beginning, and then we're going to jump way forward again. I'm like, would you please not do this to me? It's confusing as hell. Um, but after I finished um, uh, uh, Price of Glory, uh, he's like, all right, here's a stack of eight contracts. We're going to have you do eight, eight, eight of them in a row. And I'm like, okay. How long am I going to have to do these? Like, like two years. I'm like, oh, all right. Who? Uh, cause <laughs> I do have other shit I work on, you know? So right, it's like, right. I can't, uh, uh, but yeah. And this was the one, uh, hour of the wolf was number eight in that stack. So, um, and I just finished it. And when I say that, I mean, I uploaded it about six hours ago. So it is just a catalyst or to audible to catalyst. Damn it. What we did, yeah. Oh, well, even if it had been to Audible, it would it'd still be probably a month before it passed through their gauntlet of verification stuff. But when we um, were when we were talking, I was like, you said you were gonna be finished with it just before we did the podcast. I was like looking at Audible the last couple of days. Like, I listen. <laughs> oh no, no. Obviously, I don't understand the pub- publishing process well, of audiobooks. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I think one of the questions we have is specifically about that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, the one of the most consistent pieces of critique that I get, because uh, I do I do read all the comments on the stuff, which is at the end of the books when I say, please leave a comment on the site you purchased it from, and I read them, you know, and the most consistent one is, you know, they shouldn't have him doing women's voices. And I don't know why. I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> um, you know, it's like, but I'm like, believe me, I'm right there with you. I don't want to have to do women's voices. So we finally, we got Lisa Lee to do all the female parts for Hour of the Wolf. And so she recorded all her parts. I recorded all of my parts. We send them to Rob and he interleaves them together. And then they upload them to ACX. Because Lisa Lee, she did, there's one that I was listening to. I want to say, where is it? I think it was the Nellis Academy incident. Uh, Blood Will Tell, I think. Oh, yes. Yes. Blood Will Tell. Oh, shit. Just started it. <laughs> well, we have to listen to it now. It would be rude not to. Uh, Copyright infringement. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I do. I do find that I enjoy the way you narrate better than than her style. I think yours is a little more engaging and a little more fluid. I, hers tends to be a little choppy. At least from my from my experience in listening to to the first couple chapters of. Blood a lot talk. of a lot of narrators, they, they, everybody had kind of has their own style. Um, mine is what I call a living narrator style. That mm-hmm. it's like you know, if you're in D and D, you know, you've been you've been uh, you know, caravan guard all day, walking and trudging and everything, and you finally get to the end of the day, you set up camp, and somebody across the fire starts telling a story, and you're going to be able to hear every breath, everything, and the breath becomes a it becomes a, an instrument in the orchestra. It's, it's part of the pacing, part of the you know, communicating the emotion of the scene and a lot of kids, for those of you listening at home, I'm doing air quotes. Um, they, they edit things very, very tightly and they take out all the breath sounds and they, they, they tighten everything up so that there's no dramatic pauses anymore. And it, it strips a lot of the life out of the story for me mm-hmm. and makes it seem very mechanical. Uh, and I'm like, just get a text to speech engine. If you're going to do that. Make some notes, Mike. Just a quick question. Yeah. Michael, how many times did you gulp while John was talking there? <laughs> I, I do try to edit out all the breath sounds and all that other stuff, but it's a podcast, not a book, not a story. It's a big <laughs> difference. <laughs> You're not ruining the creator. 
I still leave some pauses, all right? Well, I definitely enjoy the, like you're saying, Trent, kind of this living narrator, because Mm -hmm. without that emotion, you really lose context for the story, right? So you don't get that, like, I'm I'm part of the story and I'm, like, out of breath versus, like, oh, just walk through all this dangerous stuff and so what? Whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening in the story. Everything's still monotone or the same tone in in all situations. So I really really enjoy that. I think it was in... um... Rock of the Republic, uh, there's a, a scene fairly near the beginning where, where Tucker's talking to one of the guys from Comstar or Word of Blake or whichever one it is. The same thing. Space AT&T. And um, uh, the guy is having breakfast. Uh, it's in Prefecture 10 and he's eating like curried eggs or something. And I was like, I don't usually do a lot of Foley, but I think I can I can work this because he's dipping toast in his bread and eating that <laughs> while he's talking. And so I just ran to the kitchen and I made some toast and I came back and started recording again. And so I'm eating the toast while I'm recording the thing. And I still take it, take it as a point of pride that one of the pieces of review is this guy just, just throwing a fit. He's like, nobody wants to listen to that. I'm like, got him. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I mean, the whole thing is. I, I think Tucker's, it's brilliant. It's like just like, oh god, Tucker's watching this guy eat and he can't stand it. I'm like, that's exactly how you were supposed to react to the scene. Is mm-hmm. oh god, must this guy be eating while he's talking to me? Merry Christmas. That's what I wanted. It becomes <laughs> much more of like this radio drama type deal, yeah. where it's you're, yeah. you're 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 much more kind of in the situation because of the different, you know, the sounds. It's, you're not mm-hmm. getting smells, but you're definitely getting more of the natural sounds or something like yeah. that. So I like it. Yep. Yeah. You're going to love when Devlin starts dying then because uh, <laughs> we well, didn't have to do that it. one, right? <laughs> it's like you ruined gar- it. Gargling cottage. <laughs> everybody dies. And um, everybody knows for over a year now. Like, yeah. There's no spoilers anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know that I, uh, I read, read, actually looked at my eye, my eyeballs looked at a book and read the words. Um, Hour of the Wolf first, and then I was like, "Oh, this is the the book," but I didn't know any of the pretense, so I didn't know any of the, I didn't read any of the books before, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, then I listened to the books before." I, you know, and I, I've always said this: my narration of the book sucks. That's why I like listening to other people say <laughs> it. Um, and it's yeah, I can't wait for the book to come out. Uh, and listen to you. Mm-hmm. I like the whole live feel. Like I'm there. That's why I like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I like books because it's I'm there sitting. <laughs> I'm I'm the one that's getting punctured to death or whatever. I mean, there 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 are uh, several scenes in uh, several of the last probably four books that I've done where like Alaric is is talking to the clan. They're getting ready to to go do something. It's a really emotional scene, and I'll be in the middle of a line. And I get so wrapped up in the story that I start to tear up. And I'm like, no, no, stop it. I need to control my voice. I can't start crying while I'm doing this. And it's just, it's like, okay, I need to take a break for a second. Uh, and uh, Yeah, I, I really get into it and I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I mean, similar to that, like um, for, for Hour of the Wolf, for that part where they make Planet Fall and... Um, Alaric's just ready for everyone to disembark the dropship, and they're like, "Hell no! You're the first one on planet." 
That was and, one of the spots that yeah, got me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh-huh. when the Jade Falcons come and she's like, all y'all fucking stop. I'm the uh-huh. first one out. And I'm just like, that, that difference, that <laughs> difference between the two <laughs> menta- like mentalities. Oh, yeah. Um, but the way it was written was, it, it conveyed a lot of emotion. I was like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was one of those parts that chef's kiss. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I guess this transitions us really well into the next question, which is what is the process for creating an, uh, an audiobook, And how do you come up with the character voices? You know, what, how do you, how do you do what you do? It was, it was a lot easier to, to do coming up with the character voices when it was just me. Um, cause it, I didn't really have a, uh, an existing template to follow. You know, I just, I was like, I don't know, I'll just come up with something and see what works. Um, but now as we're adding more and more narrators, um, we have, we're trying to be consistent across various things. And so we're like leaving each other recordings of, you know, this is what I've got Alaric sounding like, this is what I've got, you know, um, that other guy sounding like, and it's like, <laughs> it's like suddenly I can't remember, you know, any of the names of the characters, the thing. Um, so, but where we usually start is, uh, John will contact me and say, Hey, do you want to do this, this book? And I'm like, um, yeah, I'm not doing anything right now. Yeah, sure. Okay. And, um, he will send me the book and I will read it all the way through. And part of it is proofreading because, when the author writes the book, they go through and they do their edits and send it off to the editor. And then the editor does their edits and send it back to the author. And then, the, and then eventually it goes to like slush readers or proofreaders. And then they, you know, find problems and send it back and then more edits and corrections. And then back to the thing, no matter how many times you do that, when I go through, uh, and I do my pre-read, a lot of the people like John and, and, you know, proofreaders and stuff, they have a lot of work to get through. So they read very, very quickly, but I tend to read at the speed at which I narrate. And I tend to, if I don't read out loud, I'm at least mouthing the words. So I get a, a feel of, of how they're going to feel when I say them out loud. And since I'm reading much more slowly, uh, I tend to pick up mistakes that they miss. And so the novel will have been out for like months. And I'm like, okay, here is an email that I sent to John, which has a list of all of the things I found that I think are typos. And, and then all of the things that I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce this. I want to know how is this supposed to be pronounced? And John will take that and send it off to the line editor who will look it all up and find out exactly how it is meant to be pronounced. And then they send that back to me. And then John sends me, you know, okay, here's the editing corrections. I can't believe we missed these things. And I'm like, read out loud. It, it helps things <laughs> a lot. Um, and then once I've got that, I go through, because, and the other reason that I read it all the way through is because it's important to know where the story starts, where it ends, and how it gets from point A to point B. It gives me a time to go through and get a, a feel for the, you know, the emotional beats of the story, figure out what kind of voices I want to do for which characters. Because sometimes, like in the beginning of the story, I will have two-thirds of the novel where I've been doing a voice a certain way, and then in the, 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 the third third, suddenly they're like, you know, he had his deep husky voice. I'm like, no, I've been doing him like this. What the hell are you talking about? You know, kind of like, shit, and then I have to go back and do it all over again. You know, it just, it, ugh. So, um, read it all the way through, and then I start recording once I've done that. And I go through, and I usually record the whole thing, and then I 
bag out and I go and I edit the whole thing. And while I'm doing that, I'm making a list of places where I made mistakes. I do that now. I didn't do that with Embers of War, which is why if you listen to that, you'll have parts where I, you know, like I, I left line repetitions in or I coughed or cleared my throat and I start seeing this coming up in the comments. I'm like, oh God, no. Oh! So don't do that anymore. <laughs> so I go through, finish my edits, make all my corrections. And then typically I, once it's, done again air quotes i will sit back with the book open on one screen and i will just start playing from the beginning and read along with it and make sure that there's nothing that i missed and once i'm done with that i button everything up zip it up and i send it to john that's fantastic out of my hands do you have any like interaction with the authors or like 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 if you have questions about the story of what direction it's taking or or do you have access to them uh, sometimes it usually goes through John, uh, typically, uh, when I find errors, um, or what I think are errors, uh, you know, there, sometimes there are points where a specific character will be referenced and then four or five chapters later, it references them again, but differently. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 no. And then I will, you know, part of the email to John, which I refer to as my guidance email. Um, I'm like, okay, here it says that he's done this. And over here it says he's done this. Or like at this point, it says he's been promoted from major to Lieutenant Colonel. And for these five chapters, they're still calling him major. Um, is it supposed to be that way? Or did they, did the, did the paperwork not go through yet? I mean, I know we're in the middle of a, of an action here, but, and so or there'll be um, like plot inconsistencies that I will catch. And a lot of those have to go back to the author and they'll say, oh, okay, I didn't mean to do that. It should be this. Or um, if there are authors who will include like fan names in their stuff, I can't go to the line editor for Catalyst and say, how is this pronounced? Because they don't know. And so we have to reach out to the author and the author has to reach out to the, and like, how do you want this character's name pronounced? Um, because for me, that's, that's something that's really damn important. You've got a fan mm-hmm. who is, you know, having their character included. Yeah, they're being canonized. Exactly. So. It's, it's important to, to, to pay it the respect that it's due. And so for me, pronouncing things correctly is very, very important. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't usually directly interface with the author, but we do go through John or um, some of the people at Catalyst. So I'm not like, to uh, crack open. And, oh, go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, kind of like that discussion we had a couple episodes back about uh, the pronunciation of Lyrian and Lyran. Yeah. Yeah. How Lyran. How, how people encounter a word the first time, you know, whether it's in written form or whether it's audio is something I still, that... I still say Lyran. I can't get myself to stop saying Lyran. <laughs> um, and for the longest time, I thought it was Tukayad, and I was been had been saying it that way for a decade. I was getting there, <laughs> and, and, and somebody's like, "No, it's it's Tukayad." I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" And it's like I'd already done like four books at this point. I'm like, "No, don't tell me that. Do not tell me that." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I've always said I've always said Tukayad, and then mm-hmm. I've heard a couple times people say Tukayad, and I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, "I don't know, I don't like that." Um, yeah, and then in the early days, I always said um, Lyrian. And now it's like, I look and I'm like, oh, I was wrong. It is Lyran. Like, <laughs> pronunciation's huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I 
I said Lear in, in Hour of the Wolf. Yeah. It, uh... So if we have to cut out this next question, I understand. Uh, was it, was there any sort of difficulty working on Hour of the Wolf because it was written by Blaine? Not for me. I mean, okay. I was not involved in I mean, that. That is so out of my, my involvement. And I wasn't sure if there would be anything because you don't have a lot of direct contact with the authors. And I right. know that there is issues there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and, issues came after the story was published. And all, and right. So I think there's a separation there. And the contract was, you know, written before any of that. Mm. I was just kind of curious if that, if that caused any issues during the, the process no, of creating the audiobook. For me, it's a script. And anything else is outside of that. Fair enough. So how long does it take, like, from when you start reading the book to submitting to Catalyst? I guess Hour of the Wolf would probably be a good current <laughs> example. Yeah, yeah. That's the longest one I've done so far. Um, typically, uh, for every 10,000 words, it roughly equals about one hour of finished audiobook content. And if I remember correctly, Hour of the Wolf is, like, 100 and... 17 170,000 I think so it's going to be about a 17 hour audiobook right 10 days of driving <laughs> <laughs> um it, it really varies by how long the 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 book itself is um it it took a while to break John of the habit of when I tell him you know how how long is the book and he's like it's like 360 pages I'm like I don't care how many pages it is if you if you triple the font size the book is going to get you know insanely large but the story is still exactly the same like give me word count that's all i care about um but you know so now we 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 get word count and all the stuff usually um but uh if it is very combat heavy because one of the things that i do is i like to read combat scenes a little bit faster than other stuff because i want that feeling that 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 you want that pacing of the the story I want it to be a little bit faster than is comfortable to listen to. So it's, it, you kind of get this anticipation of trying to keep up with what's going on. And there's just too much stuff. And, and I, I like the idea of that, that frantic kind of nature versus when people are back at garrison and they're just sitting around chilling and talking. Um, so if there's a lot of combat, it's going to be shorter because I'm going to be reading faster, but typically it'll take me about, I'd say probably two or three days to sit down and read it all and assemble my email of, of, okay, what about this? Um, and then it'll, depending upon what's going on, if there's a lot of conventions and stuff that catalyst has to go to, it kind of slows down the response times to about a week to get uh, response back from that. And then once I start recording, depending upon whether that's the only thing I have on my slate on my plate, rather slated on my plate, whatever, Maybe it's a plate made of slate. Who cares? Um, or if I've got a, you know other projects that kind of have to be interleaved with it. If I've got like uh, an animation that I'm I'm doing voice for or something, um, it'll typically take me um, for something like our of the wolf probably two weeks to record it. Um, it would probably be less if I had a functioning audio booth. But because I don't, I have to record at night and uh, when the neighborhood is quiet. And so I have to flip my sleep schedule uh, to record. And then I have to flip my sleep schedule back to do editing. 
so that I can operate like a normal human being uh, and actually do things like go to the store when it's open um, if I <laughs> needed to eat or something. Um, so the, the transition for that takes like a day or two. So ultimately, it would probably gets close to a month. And so I will usually put in a little bit of contingency time in the contract so that if an emergency um, project comes up that somebody's like, oh my God, we need you to do this right now. I've got, I've got time to finagle things and make it work. So month and a half to two months for a thing. And that's moving very, very slowly. If I had a booth, it would go a lot faster. Is the audio booth in the future for you? I don't know. I can't see the future. I hope so. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, my, my birthday's in June. So if you guys want to get me a studio bricks, one. Plus, I, don't know, I don't know if you'd want us to do that because we'd probably be made out of plywood foam and not a whole lot of great stuff. That's, that's well, I mean, that those are parts of the booth, actually. So yeah, that's, that's what. <laughs> And when you get finished with something, is it uh, is it kind of like me where I, when I work in something every day, I don't want to like see it on my off time? Or do you still enjoy <laughs> the books afterwards? Um, a lot of times I do. There are, there will be times where I'll I'll be doing something else and and I will have finished. I mean, like even still with um, uh, the Grey Death trilogy, um, I will be like making ramen or something. Um, or, or like I'll, I'll be working on something and my housemate will walk and step up behind me and I'm like, Oh, Oh, it kind of startles me. Cause I'm so focused on what I'm doing. And it's like, Oh, this is the, like the scene where he's in the ruins of the, the castle. He's on the computer and she walks in behind him and he doesn't know that she's there. And I'm like, okay, well, I still remember that scene pretty well, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, one of the things that just keeps coming back is I, I can't remember the name of the guy that that gray had uh basically as his his senior nco ramish um, thank you who was like okay go dig holes and uh, like everything was about shoveling dirt and digging holes and whatnot and that guy keeps coming back all the time in my brain that's the scene in the second book where they're at the farm right i think so but he he does that with a lot where they're preparing the battlefield for the uh mm -hmm. the oh god but i mean they're coming in, they're coming in to raid them. Yeah. And Remy does that with all of their new recruits. He has them digging holes all the time. It's part of his training regimen is making them dig holes. Oh, who hasn't been in the army and done stupid shit. Oh, <laughs> I've been out for a Hazing long time. Hazing is bad guys. Don't mm. haze people. <laughs> Listen, bubblehead. It's not hazing. <laughs> yeah, right. It is collective punishment and training. Right. Yeah. yeah. Unit bonding. <laughs> sure. Uh huh. Hey guys, we're yeah. gonna go on a regimental run. Well, my legs are gonna hurt for the next two weeks. We had when I was in basic. We had like, a, a, which which when I was in basic, we were in the buildings that the movie Stripes with Bill Murray was filmed. Those <laughs> were the buildings I went to basic in. Um, and too many of us were overweight for you know the the drill sergeant's liking, and so they basically said, "You guys can't have dessert." for you know until all of you have gotten below you know x thing and there was a point where i i had kp and i was washing out this huge copper pot full of, well it wasn't full anymore but it just loaded with pink cake icing that everybody else you know in in the company got to have but we didn't and i'm sitting there washing this thing out the drill sergeant standing right behind me he's like you want to just scoop up a handful of that and shove it in your face don't you i'm like no. Yes. Yes. I, yes. Yes. I do. He, he's like he leaned over my shoulder. He's like, "Go ahead. I won't tell him." I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna do that." 
I know how this ends. He's like, it's okay. And I'm like, no. And I just grabbed the this faucet thing and just hosed down the inside of the night. And he went back out to the mess hall and was like, all right, you can all have one piece of cake. Sparks, you know, did the thing and he didn't, you know, didn't fuck you guys over. He didn't break. Yeah. And you guys can have dessert. And everybody's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, don't do this to me. Now, now everybody's going to look to me to fix everything. Uh, and you were a medic in the yes. army? Yes, I was. Good position. Yeah. I don't know. Some of the medics that I've met in the army are, are some pretty weird cats. They, uh, yes, we are. They, they, have yes. a, they have an odd obsession with weird injuries. Like, the weirder you hurt yourself, the happier they are. Because mm-hmm. it probably just gives them stories. In the army? That's what we call them in the Navy. <laughs> That's because it's I the mean, Navy. Sometimes. That's because yeah. you guys in the Navy have some issues. Not issues. No, no, no. Whole you subscriptions. Whole subscriptions, not individual <laughs> issues. Tommy, did you have any specific questions? I know you didn't have a chance to put in questions of your own. Well, I I usually just ask the questions when I have either you guys have a wall or something, and I already asked. But I just, yeah, I'm a person of very not many, not very person with not a lot of words i like to listen so that's why i like audiobooks i don't know you were pretty talkative in vegas that's where we start everybody's talkative in vegas <laughs> so trend uh, all of us just got back from uh from vegas for the las vegas open and uh it was probably the first time a lot of the different podcasts had met each other so it's an interesting fun time mm-hmm. were there trials of grievance uh there were trials of alcohol Nice. Yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> Definitely was that. Uh, so what's next for you, Trent? What's uh, do you have any future um, projects for BattleTech on the on the docket? Uh, breakfast, probably. Uh, actually, no. <laughs> um, breakfast at twelve thirty in the afternoon. Not unusual for me. Um, I've worked. I've worked night shifts. I understand. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, having finished these uh, these eight contracts now is. You know, eight eight BattleTech novels in a row. Um, I think John's plan, uh, Catalyst, is going to shift me over to uh, Shadowrun for a little while, so I don't burn out. Uh, record just recording. Absolutely uh, unacceptable. We need more I content. Knew, I knew people were going to say that. <laughs> no, like, I can't tell them that. Um, Look, we just had an episode on burnout and how to deal with it. That's, that's right. True. That's right. Yeah, but that's true. us. Yeah. That's us. Not the not anyone else. Not the paid workers. It's for everyone, <laughs> man. We're not getting paid to do this. Right. Um, we aren't. <laughs> what? Uh, I swear the check is in the mail. Uh huh. Nobody uses the mail anymore. Um, no, I think um, it. I know that uh, when when John and I talked about this, I was probably halfway through uh, those eight books, and I was like, "So, you know, you you had me start kind of in the current thing or near current time, up in the, the Il- nearing the Ill Clan era, and then go back to the beginning, and then jump forward again." And now, you know, we've gone through Hour of the Wolf, and I was like, "Does this mean that that we're going to go back to much much earlier towards the beginning of the thing and do some of those as well?" Because um, Another thing that people comment on a lot, especially like on Reddit or something, is, you know, when are you guys going to redo all of the older ones that are like just these abridged books that are just abridged all to hell and they're off? Yeah, they're they're bad. bad. Yeah. And John was like, yeah, we definitely want to do them all. It's just we don't want to kill you in the process, you know, because there's you know, we gotta we gotta get the rights to the unabridged versions and then, you know, schedule and everything. And now that we're getting more and more 
narrators, we can probably do that. But um, so I don't know when they're going to pull me back to to Battletech, but um, right now there's nothing on the horizon. Well, I know we certainly enjoy the the books that you have done, and now I'm going to have to go listen to Icons of War because I've outed myself. <laughs> there's another fourteen dollars Audible. Yeah, he, and hearing all this makes me want to go dive into the audiobooks as well, even though I've already read them, just for, you know, the the narration aspect. Because um, it can be interesting to get some a different take on it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the note of what you said a second ago about getting other other uh, narrators on the line, I mean, what what advice would you give to an aspiring voice actor or audiobook narrator? Um. This question comes up a lot at conventions when there are voice acting panels and stuff. And in every single panel, somebody steps up and they're like, I really want to do this. What advice do you have? In almost every single case, the advice is the same. Take acting lessons. Because you know, everybody's like, you know, my, my family, my friends have always told me that I do great voices and whatnot. You could do all the dialects in the world, but if you cannot act with them, they're not going to help you. Um, you're going to be better off having a narrator that has like four voices that they can do, but they can act really, really well and they can make those voices count. And as long as you don't have all the characters in one room talking to each other, which is awful, um, you suddenly realize that, Hey, these three characters sound exactly the same. It's like, well, as long as they're in different scenes, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, acting lessons, um, improv is big as well cold reading is huge um but yeah definitely acting lessons and when you're ready to like start applying to uh places like catalyst or wherever you know just assemble a demo reel and if you don't have one assemble one which is why i say that but if you're like i don't have i don't have i haven't done audiobooks i don't know what doesn't matter just pick some things that you like that you enjoy reading record snippets from each of them that the kind of showcases what you can do whether it's dialects or various voices or whether you're just acting well and assemble a thing shouldn't be more than a minute and a half long and for most voice actors each individual clip doesn't need to be longer than like five seconds because casting directors they know what they're looking for and if you're spending like 20 seconds displaying a voice, they're going to be like, yes, I know you can do this voice. I don't need to hear 20 seconds of it. I need five seconds and I can go, okay, he knows how to do that accent. That's fine. Um, so brevity is the soul of wit in a lot of cases. Assemble a nice, tight, you know, well demonstrating of your talent demo reel, send it to people or talk to people like me that you know who are like, who do I talk to? And then I can, you know, say, I can introduce you to this person. And basically I can like Morpheus, I can show you the door, but then you have to walk through it. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're going to have to get yourself the job, but I can definitely get you to the door and introduce you to people. So how do you keep the voices straight when you're, when you're doing a reading, do you have like a recording snippet of each voice with the character's name so that when you, as you get through the story, you know, like if it's not a character you've touched in several chapters that, you know, okay, this is how I recorded that voice. Or do you have to go back and listen to what you've already recorded? Little column A, little column F. It's, um, it, it's like in, um, oh God, what, what did I do before? The children of Kerensky. 
there was uh, somebody who was saying, you know, they need to get more narrators because, you know, this guy can only do so many voices. Don't don't torture this man. And th they said that they had to keep backing up to see which character they were listening to. And I'm like, shit. Okay. Uh, right. There were a couple of times where I may have mixed up. In, in fact, in this one, in Hour of the Wolf, I th there's a character named uh, Lieutenant Colonel Chris Kornfeld. And I've got him, you know, sounding like somebody like this because he, he, he was out on the... Uh, one in plan. So he actually wound up coming back to Terra uh, to to help fight against the Jade Falcons and whatnot. And then later on, it gets to where everything's italicized and it's his internal monologue. And I com it's many chapters later, and I completely forgot about that. And so I was going through and I was editing. I'm like, oh no! So this morning, like like twelve hours ago, well eight hours ago, I was going through and re-recording all of that internal monologue to make the accent match and then editing everything in. So yeah, it's sometimes you have to keep little recording snippets of everybody, especially now that we're trying to stay consistent across multiple narrators, knowing how somebody did this character's voice is going to help you replicate it as best you can. We hadn't asked it yet, but I mean, you're aware of the universe since it's essentially it's inception in the eighties and you're back into it, narrating this, that, and the other. Uh, so I'll ask the standard question since we haven't yet. What's your favorite faction and why? Jade Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> Jade Falcons as they're meant to be. Yes, they're in the running. Malvinas Jade Falcons. Hell no. Um, my favorite. I mean, I started with clan wolf and as a furry, I love wolves. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's always been uh, clan wolf for me. Um, that was where I started and they became the ill clan. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing something right. Uh, although Alaric did kind of screw some people over and I was a little bit pissed at him. They were, mm, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I got so angry reading that part. Oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> um, aside from that, uh, I really like, I mean, the, the great death legion was, was good. I liked them a lot. Um, uh, cause I didn't, you didn't really get a sense of the, 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 the flavor of the group. And then suddenly, boom, they're just, they're destroyed. And then you got to build them back up from nothing. And you know, what was built afterwards was very, very different. You, you get the sense from, from what they were before the, uh, like at, this side note, um, I recently, I guess it was last week, went and watched a YouTube video where they were comparing the first five minutes of the original MechWarrior game and like MechWarrior, the intro for MechWarrior 5. And as I was watching the thing, like the, the character goes into the bar and the bartender is talking about, you know, blah, blah, blah. You could always talk to the Great Ed Legion, but I think, you know, Duke Recall might have them. Oh my God, I know who that is. You know, and I'm like, I remember playing this, you know, when it came out and Right. It, none of it registered to me then. And even when I was recording it, the game didn't register to me. I'd completely forgotten all about anyways. Um so yeah, Clan Wolf's always gonna be my go-to. Who would be your inner sphere faction if my you had inner to pick sphere one? Definitely the word of Blake. No, not the word of Blake. Um, <laughs> but at least they are singular in their purpose. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe peace of Blake. Maybe. Not a whole, um, not a whole lot of duplicity in that faction. Right. I mean, they're very focused on the thing, and I mean, who doesn't chant over an HPG every once in a while? Um, Inner Sphere. 
I really like the Northwind Highlanders. I really do. But then I love the Scottish accent. So that was a very difficult part in in um what was the second great athlegion book? Uh <laughs> the Shell Games? No, 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 no. No, uh, in great the, in the, great uh, the second original? Yeah. Mercenary Star? Mercenary no. Star. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Mercenary Star then Price of Glory. Oh yeah, yeah. cuz you had yeah. you had uh what's his name? Bannockburn and the Rifleman. And, yes, him. Yeah. Oh my, that was People so fun. Burn. Cause it's just, part of it is written in, in sort of a proto Gaelic and everybody's like, well, I mean, it's Gaelic. I mean, no, it's a thousand years in the future. It does not have to, who knows what the accents are going to do in the next thousand years. Anyway. So I was like, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, for me, pronouncing things correctly is, is very important. It's, it's disrespectful to a culture not to do it, but I don't speak Gaelic and I'm, mm, what do I do? So one of my friends in my, our Shire adventures, uh, live stream for kind of a Tolkien D and D thing, her husband is friends with the woman who is the Gaelic coach in the outlander tv series and so through them i was like oh my god can i can i ping them and and ask them some questions so i sent i copy pasted all this stuff and they were like this doesn't really make a lot of sense it's 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 not gibberish but it's kind of i can see where they were going with it but it's and i was like does it look like a google translate of something into gaelic she's like yes that's what it looks like. And I'm like, just tell me how it's pronounced. I don't care. <laughs> and so she made recordings and they sent it back to me. And so I copied and I parroted those and, and edited. And I love doing that. I mean, he, he was such a fun character. Davis McCall. Do. Yeah. Yep. I love him so much. So if you ever get around to the, I think, what is it? The Highlander covenant for the, the black watch. And what was the second book? Uh, blood something blood uh but there's a lot of the uh the phonetic spelling for the accent for mm-hmm. for for that region uh there's a yeah. lot of it in there <laughs> watching watching you guys in the in the in the in the green room those of you that are on camera both of you um <laughs> they're watching drink there was like i think Dave, it was a point where you were you were taking your first sip like you were coming back into the room before we started recording and you had a glass of something very dark and it reminded me of when i was on the renaissance festival circuit and he would go to somebody who was like drinking a beer or something. He's like, what's that? What are you drinking? It's like, oh, it's beer. It's like, beer? That's not beer. You can see right through it. There, that's <laughs> a beer. There's a fort to go with it. And when you get to the crunchy stuff, that's me mug. And I'm like, I like that accent. <laughs> I'm stealing that. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. That's great. Well, just a Jack and Coke for me today. And then, uh, look I for guess... a beer called Sheaf Stout, like a sheaf of wheat. Um, it's got a sheaf of wheat on the label. Drink it at room temperature. Exquisite stout. Mm. It is really, really good. Ooh, that sounds good right now. <laughs> All right. And then the last... drinking, Ben, are we drinking? I mean, yeah, man. Are you not? <laughs> when am I not? It's, it's See, no, uh, no, no picture, no proof. Man, we, we always be drinking on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but the last, the last question I had written down, it's another staple question. Um, I don't eat staples, and, no. And yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then this one might be a little more interesting since you're not on the tabletop scene of things. But what is your favorite mech? For a long time, it was the Timberwolf, just because wolves. Um, but in recent years, I have really started to fall in love with the Marauder. Um, 
I, I, I love the way they look. I love the look of the Marauder. Just, it just feels like something that is going to stalk you. And just that, that, I mean, a, I like the digitigrade leg, uh, uh, style and just, just the way it just has this, this looming, you know, hunkered over kind of thing of just like, it's, I just, I love. The yeah. Especially with the new art. Um, yeah. It's yeah. definitely seems a lot more like, like you said, looming, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's coming. Mm-hmm. All right. Hell yeah. Yeah. The old school Marauder kind of looked like world of worlds tripod almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like these yeah. Long gangly legs. <laughs> uh, Always reminded me of Ed 209. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little bit of that. I think with some of the more recent art of the, uh, the Savage Wolf as well. Uh, which, which I kind of like to. Uh, these Australians. And now that like, well, like in the accents used, are there any Australians? <laughs> oh God, no. Um, Australian and New Zealand are two accents that I cannot, I don't know why I can't lock onto them. And I mean, it's, it's just that I haven't tried. Uh, I haven't trained myself to do it. I, I, I could, if I wanted, really wanted to or needed to, I could do it. Um, it would wind up like whenever I have to do Japanese where I wind up recording two or three words and then I take three breaths and I record two more words and then I just go in and edit and tighten them down together until it forms one flowing sentence. And somebody, one, one of the bits of critique was like, you know, for somebody who doesn't speak Japanese, he does a great job. I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, okay. Whew. Cause I've got a lot of friends who do speak Japanese and, and so I'm like, how is this supposed to be said? Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Australian. Yeah, if John ever asked you to do any of the Camacho's Caballeros books, don't get into those. No. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, I think one of the love interests in the book is a, is a, Australian accented guy, and he has a lot of speaking parts. Uh, I did that with a with a um, uh, Shadowrun novel. We had one of the one of the characters was from Australia. That was that. Well, several of the characters were from Australia. That was rough. Knowledge is power. It is <laughs> being able to properly wield that knowledge is even more. The mo you know, but improperly is so much more fun. Mm, yes, it is. I think we need more. All right, so for Pile of Shame progress, uh, for myself, the last couple of weeks, I've only really painted a couple of minis for a game that I played with Alex and Mike. So that was a Phoenix Hawk and a Griffin. Otherwise, I was focused almost exclusively on getting ready for Genghis Khan, which happened yesterday, which we will talk about a little bit later. But that's really all that I've been able to get done for hobby progress. So, Mike... Uh, hobby progress for me, a whole lot of zero. Um, however, games played uh, had a narrative one-off, maybe one-off, maybe continuing, unknown at this time. Game with Alex. Uh, we played Hexless Classic. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, you can check out the battle report on the, I'm pretty sure you put it in the Valhalla Club Discord. Um, yeah, that dropship just left us there. And he said, trust us. And as he flew away, <laughs> and I was not pleased. Now I'm stranded. Um, but no, it was a super good game. A lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun to get back into some more narrative aspect. Hexless Classic is always a grandiose time. Um, yeah. So zero actual hobby progress to the point that the two minis I brought to that, which was a crab and a trebuchet, uh, were 
80% done and not even varnished yet, but I played with them. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Um, who's next? Dave left, so. Matt. I'll go next. Uh, I put together, I probably painted about 10 to 15 minis uh, for an event we had last weekend, the Battlefronts event. Uh, but again, I just contrast paint, so it's not as complicated as others. I just do the quickie stuff. Um, and well, John and I did do quite a bit of work on, for that event and kind of, uh, getting this Battlefronts event system kind of worked out, at least mostly. Um, so we, we both worked pretty hard on that for a couple of days in the, the wee hours of the night. So, uh, with that, I'll toss it over to John. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think the Battlefront went well for a couple of nerds not putting it together over a few weeks in our spare time. Um, and we're going to have that be a recurring series, actually. Um, but hobby progress-wise, uh, I've been... I put the finishing touches on some Avalon Osairs, like half a company of them. And then I managed to shade and dry brush and edge highlight a binary of jade falcons this week so i'm pretty happy with that and we got we, we got good weather so i'm gonna be able to varnish them and put decals on and they'll be done you got a ton of terrain painted too don't sell yourself short oh yeah yep that's true i put together a choo-choo set and some little plastic trees they look great so thanks man i, I know i'm a guest can i also please into please. this pile of shame oh absolutely uh so I uh, I'm in the progress of uh, testing out some Turbo Dork paint that I picked up at LVO. Um, and those paints look nice. Yeah, I know. They're, they're I want I really like to see if I could get in uh, get some of those shades into some of the uh, lists that I've created that I kind of want to play. Um, I sold my LVO list uh, the other day, so I'm uh, a Jihad list down. So uh, I'm working on uh, filling that up, getting uh, another one out, um, so that I'll be uh, toing at Gen Con. So, like, uh, legitimately sold it, or you just put I it aside? Sold it quick. Oh I wow! I didn't even know you were selling it. Good job. Yep. I I uh, I need money to uh, pay for uh, housing at mm. Gen Con. Uh, I know you guys might. Oh well, never mind. We all know what you guys do, so. <laughs> Uh, we, we're not made of money or anything like that. Podcasters don't make money. We just work for a living and then do. Hey, I am just life. a lowly government employee. I just do the I just do the army thing on the side. So yes, well, I don't I don't make money from the podcast either. So I have to find ways to pay for uh, hotels. So this is my way of paying for the hotel. Um, but somebody bought it up real quick within I put it out there and within 10 minutes it was sold so uh i need to replenish that uh i'm still i'm always going to be in the works of working on a jade falcon one after looking at all these uh rec guides i know rec guide 32 just got finalized and i found a a hover tank that i really liked so i might be but right now i'm creating a uh raven alliance one uh the Dark Ages Raven Alliance one. So nice. that's my stuff. Uh, and then on Thursday nights, uh, if you guys don't know, you guys probably know, but if anybody else doesn't know, um, WNRP holds like a test night 
where we just it's on YouTube. We play whatever we're testing, and we're testing uh, epic format 600 PV battles. Going to be on this Thursday, Tommy, or is is that? I'm hoping so. Oh, uh, this last Thursday, uh, a couple of days ago, we went through a snowstorm, uh, and we're all we've all three of us were pretty much were snowed in. So, yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's we're we're pretty much done testing 350 on stream. We're going to continue to test 600 from here on out. Uh, until further notice. So nice. Yeah, the epic looked pretty cool. Um, and for the one game I was able to play slash play test that at LVO for the doubles tournament was a lot of fun. Uh, excited to see where that goes. Maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day the Valhalla Club will venture out to the YouTube. I made us a channel, but we have nothing on it. <laughs> Zero <laughs> videos. We'll get there. Well, just just to let you guys know, um, the doubles will. There will be doubles at. Uh, tournament at Gen Con this year. Heard it here first. <laughs> and then uh, da, da, da. Uh, the, the 350 <laughs> tournament. Uh, the epic format uh, is going to be a competitive, but we got to we got to wrangle in some rules on that. So, yep. Hence the play test. And then you guys are sold out at 32 of 32 for for Adepticon, right? Yeah, you'll see Andrew and Aaron there. Uh, or that those are the two guys that are signed up or said that they're going to go go that. Um, and then I think we're trying to nail down a uh, Rumble at the River site as well uh, and time frame. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on for 350 formatting. So, yep, we've reached a prime. Uh, I think next and last for pile of shame would be you, Ben. Do you ben, ben yeah. What's that? Do you paint, Ben? No, man. I just write. <laughs> <laughs> Did you paint that Sagittarius yet? What? The, no, I don't have. I need my new one or my my old one. I was using the tournament. Yeah, I painted that. But no, I'm kind of done painting after prepping for LVO and everything like that. But I hobby progress pile of shame for me was just finishing up some writing for the Kickstarter, and then um, I got a piece coming out in the next shrapnel, and uh, going. Back to a short story I wrote for Shrapnel two years ago that I want to clean up and resubmit again. That's kind of where I've been at. Right on. Um, Not to steal the show from you, Dave, or anything, but for Trend, you may not be uh, on the tabletop side for Battletech, but you do play with D&D and other things. What kind of uh, hobby progress might might you got going on? Um, Well, I tend to... um uh you know play on on virtual tabletops and stuff so i don't do a lot of miniatures painting i have uh i mean not gonna do much good to show you guys oh look yeah um <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's 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 not a visual medium trend um but basically the the last in-house uh D campaign that my housemate was dming um i had a a, a mastermind rogue that i got finally uh, used uh, hero forge to come up with a many for and then never painted him because <clears throat> much like with video games i'm terrified of losing what i have so i don't i don't bother trying to do anything which is why i like the early game in almost every game i play and as soon as any combat is involved i'm like okay i'm done I'm gonna go to something else now <laughs> <laughs> and and am i wrong that you do some live recordings of your guys's sessions or 
Is there a place to watch? Yeah, they're that they're, they're they're live they're live streamed on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, the channel name is Arvan Elleron. It's just easiest to follow me on Twitter. It's just at Trendane, and I retweet whenever we're going live. So fantastic! Thanks. Yeah, Ben, you've got everyone saying that's fantastic. <laughs> Dude, I told you it was a trend, man. It's catching on. Disease. <laughs> Inconceivable. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that always makes me laugh from like the military is whenever someone says living the dream, I just bust out laughing. Living the dream. Because <laughs> we know we're all lying. Living the dream. Yep. yep, your day sucks. Every yeah, every person on guard duty ever. Hey, how's your day going? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's for you, Ben. There you go. There's so many Or good morning. Days. Yeah, it's a morning. <laughs> so many nights full in CQ that I would just grab a spoonful of Folgers crystals and shove it in my mouth. Oh, who hasn't done that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're on the field and you break open the MRE and you have no hot water. You just eat the you just eat the coffee. Uh-huh. Yep. When you run out of tobacco and you make yourself some Ranger dip through the uh, instant, instant coffee and the MRE, mm-hmm. pour it into one of the little napkin things. I never understood how the hell you did that. That that's disgusting. Yeah, you pour. You, pour <laughs> you the didn't say it wasn't coffee. disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't say that. Pour the instant coffee in the little just napkin. Eat the shit. Turn it into a little pouch, throw it in your lip, boom, rain, ranger dip. See, I guess I was always smart enough when going to the field exercises, I always brought two cartons of cigarettes and enough dip to sell to people. Yeah, but you like rode in. Some of us have to walk in. <laughs> yeah, you were mechanized. Those airborne for like 10 years. Like, man, It's I'm your just, own damn we got, fault. We got other shit we got to take, like, you know, cold weather gear and sleeping and bags. Excuse me, I was not mechanized. I drove my own Humvee. Because I had a single operator's license. You drove. That makes you mechanized. <laughs> like, come on. Fine. I'm thinking mechanized is track. We had boots. Everyone else is wheeled. Mechanized and then the other guys that suck. A vehicle. Whatever. Light what about a hub- Humvee had about- lights on it to warn people tank. that you were coming? Or? Which, which no, probably. Oh, for sure. It was a lieutenant driving. So, yeah, it, it needed warning lights. So get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> we need those hover tanks. Like the re- the fact that they even gave me a license was uh, pretty impressive on its own. You can't Thank just you. strap a reflective belt on it. PT belt. <laughs> PT safety belt. Now you're safe. Now you're safe. Yep, protects you from everything, oh even STDs. Mm. Well, for those of you that know Ben's writings from Shrapnel, uh, Tren has graciously agreed to uh, read. Well, it's. Or you do that here just a second. Trent, are you going to read the whole thing or are you going to read a portion? I, what do you guys want me to do? It, you are our guests. It would be inappropriate for us to set expectations on this. I, I just told you to set expectations. Shit. So as a gracious host, tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> read the whole thing. It's on you. <laughs> read the whole you got to kind of read the whole thing to get the full, full package of it. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a pamphlet oh. from the VA is what it is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> as soon as I started reading, I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so this is where you've got the author oh in the room. This is, a, this yeah. may be a first. So. Oh. Make fun of him. And yes. I, I, I would love to state that, that, you know, within the first probably 30 words, I was immediately a heart all a flutter because from the earliest days of me playing uh, MechWarrior, Sudaten was always my favorite planet name. I love that planet name. It's absolutely my favorite. And I was just like, oh, that's such a cool planet name. I wonder how they came up with that. And then later I went, oh, 
Oh, Sudetenland. Okay. Well, shit. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's still creative. I just, uh, I just thought it was an, an original. Never mind. Hell with Is that it. the okay. planet that I've always pronounced as Sudetene? <laughs> yep. Yes. Words are hard. It, it, it rhymes with Ovaltine, Mike. Galatea screwed me up. I mean, I was like back and forth with John. I'm like, it's what? And he would he would like type it back to me. I'm like, I can't hear that. It's text. How do you say it? <laughs> so finally, I I've went and looked it up. Galadia, like, <laughs> yeah. And I go look it up on 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 the net. And I'm like, how is this pronounced? And there's like eight different variations. I'm like, this does not help me. <clears throat> yeah, we yeah. could have a whole episode on pronunciation oh. in the BattleTech universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. but we should just grab people. some of the weirdest names and then just see if we can pronounce them. Pronunciation is valid. Mm-hmm. Well, like I it's said, sci-fi. a thousand, year, it's a thousand years in the future. Who knows? I mean, you look at schedule yeah, yeah. versus schedule. You look at Houston versus Houston. Granted, Houston is in Georgia, but whatever. The point is, it's just you know, all kinds of stuff. Tomato, mm-hmm. tomato. Yeah, y'all hear about them? Them Comstar put a stop to that clan wolf at two kid. Calm down, <laughs> boom Kid. Yeah. But yeah, I can do the whole thing. It's not a problem. I, I, I reserve the right to make mistakes and laugh at myself, though. Hey, that's fine. I wrote it, man, so <laughs> I laugh at myself as well. That's that. That's why I'm saying I reserve the right. To, it's like when the <laughs> author's here, it's like, ooh, I got to preface this. <clears throat> so if you gents are ready? Absolutely. All right, here we go. Senescent Warriors Association. Pamphlet available at Warrior Cast Processing Station, Sudeten. March 3152. A fresh start in 3152. Greetings, fellow Jade Falcon Warrior, and welcome to your outprocessing. If you are reading this pamphlet, you have recently been reclassified as unfit for active combat duties. Contrary to what you may think, your existence has not been wasted. After all, waste not, want not is the way of our clan, Koyaf. We of the Senescent Warriors Association, SWA, are here to help. You may have never heard of such a thing as the SWA. Okay, that is what it said. (laughs) (laughs) But we have been in the background assisting the older members of our clan's warrior cast since arriving in the inner sphere more than a century ago. First, we need to establish a common understanding of what this assistance means for you. In the clans, an aged warrior who has failed too many... T- this just pissed me off. This part <laughs> pissed me off so bad. The That's what I was going I, for. It just... Because when I was a medic in the army, we I was stationed in Hawaii. Slight sidebar here, by the way. I swear to God, I will get Go back to the story. Go for it. I was stationed in Hawaii. Worst place in the world to be stationed for an army medic because you're surrounded by 3,000 miles of ocean on all sides. And if you can't swim really good or fly at least a little bit, you ain't going nowhere. Anyway, so we had deployed to the Pohakalua training area on the big island of Hawaii, which is on the saddle between Mauna Loa and Mauna Kea. And that is a 30-day deployment because you have to uh, get used to being at 12,000 feet. So... It's a month-long thing. We went up there. We weren't really doing PT while we were up there. And then when we came back, we immediately had to jump into a PT test. And I failed by one sit-up. And they're like, okay, you're on probation. You've got a month. And then you can retake. And if you fail then, you're out. And the company, the battalion across the quad from us was like, we're short on medics. We're going up to the PTA. Can you guys spare me? I just came from there. I'll go. That's not a problem. So 
I went with their medics up to the thing, which was another month of me being up there, not doing PT. I come back, I fail by seven sit-ups, and they kick me out. Fuck those guys. Anyway, sorry, excuse me. Sorry, pardon me. Where was I? Right. Um, <clears throat> in the clans, an aged warrior who has failed too many yearly trials of position and been determined to be past their prime and on the downward slope, screw you guys, in most cases is classified as no longer viable for combat. Even prior to the Intersphere invasion in 3049, across the clan, across all clans, across all clans, I just lost my place because I looked up at the camera. Uh, across all clans, warriors felt immense pressure to meet a certain standard before the age of 35. The number determined to begin the downward slope in their abilities. This drove clan warriors to excel in their youth and guarantee their genes would be used in the breeding programs. The earlier you could make a name for yourself, the greater the contributions you were able to make. If those benchmarks were not met by the number determined by your clan, you were then removed from your active combat position. Were there expectations? Absolutely. Cons, is it Martha? Martha Pride? I meant to ask that beforehand. I've always known yeah, it was I think Martha. it's Martha. Oh, Christ. See, this is what it's like. <laughs> what, Ben, what is it? Which is it? I'm on the Martha gang. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. Cons, Martha Pride, and Elias Critchell come to mind. What accomplishments? Right. What accomplishments did they... This is why editing is so important. What accomplishments did they have that you do not... They didn't suck. No. Um, our very own... Is it Kale? <laughs> Pershaw? That person... Of course, the author is silent in all of this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've always read Kale Pershaw. Thank you. Our very own Kale Pershaw... I almost read Swerve. <sighs> Focus, Trent. Our very own Kale Pershaw served the Jade Falcons as a warrior for 77 years before his death in battle against the Society in 3073. He was also politically astute enough to know how to avoid those that wanted to see him put out to pasture. It was actually in quotes, so I had to do quotes there. <laughs> and was able to keep his statue, not statue, status, and was able to keep his status as an active warrior. You are not him. In other... Right. In other clans, warriors far past their prime are allowed to continue to serve in various leadership roles if they have accomplished much and attained at least the rank of Star Colonel. But that is where no, but that is why those clans are weaker than Clan Jade Falcon. So So you have woken up one frosty morning with aches and pains in a once youthful body. That body may or may not be yours. Failed your trial of position once again, and your clan has determined you are too old to continue as a warrior. That is terrible. Af, age is a number, but in Clan Jade Falcon, that number has meaning. If, by 35, you have been unable to acquire a blood name and combine that with a string of battlefield successes, that is why you are in the position you are in. You may have been ridiculed by your star commander or star captain in the last several years due to your inability to perform certain tasks due to advanced age. You have probably lost a few combat trials due to your slower reflexes or old injuries. Even your fellow warriors have looked at you with disdain as they see the ravages of time wreak havoc on your body. Don't worry, they'll get their turn, probably. I lost my place again. Um, your pod, right. 
Lifelong friends no longer want to associate with you. Just remember, you behaved in the same manner to those old years before you. Right? Yes. <clears throat> you know you have failed too many trials of position over your accumulated years, culminating in this final trial that has cost you your eligibility for combat duties. Whatever the case, here you are, at a fork in your warrior path with several options in front of you. This is how our warrior culture survives, by allowing the younger generations to flourish and spread their wings without the weight of age dragging them down. Now it's time... Nope, that's a contraction. Now it is time to take a new path. Af, you can continue on the warrior path and be assigned to a Salama unit as a basic... Yes as a basic infantry soldier, or even as a mech warrior in a substandard battle mech. Making a grand charge into the teeth of the enemy guns would at least earn you a warrior's death and ensure your ashes are used to nourish a future Sibco. But there are... Nah, but there are other options for you, old-timer, besides fighting. Might does not always make right, as you have probably heard by now. You should take a moment to perform a self-evaluation. Are you as strong as you once were? Neg. Injuries and age take a toll on the body. Physical tasks you were once able to do require a lot more effort on your part. Your advice or opinion has gone unheeded. The younger generation ignores your wisdom. They have constantly... Consistently. They have consistently... Wow. They have consistently accused you of being unable to comprehend the struggles they are facing. No. Kids would never do... Anyway. <laughs> I'll be 53 in June, by the way. So, anyway. Um, but have no fear. We are here to pass down our wisdom to you, if you choose to heed it. The SWA is here to help you in your transition. Each clan has their own chapter to assist transitioning warriors to their non-combat career. Your SWA is here to support you. The SWA, JF, presume that's Jade Falcon, provides testing, counseling, placement, medical advice and consultation, and additional services to aging warriors so they can best continue their usefulness within the clan itself. You can find out more information about the SWA from your Senescent Warrior Activities Coordinator, SWAC, at your outprocessing, outprocessing briefing. Huzzah! Every Galaxy Command has an SWAC in determining your new place in the clan and giving you opportunities to excel in your new role. Here are some of the things you can do to prepare yourself mentally. Begin thinking about a new purpose you could be comfortable in. You are still a part of the warrior caste and always will be. Nope. Still a part of the warrior caste and you always will be. But there are other things in this life that could fill that void of combat and bring you a small measure of enjoyment. Aff, being a warrior is what fulfilled you for so many years and brought you the most joy in life. But now, that time of your life is coming to a conclusion. It is now time to face a harsh reality. You will probably not be dying in combat any time soon. Do you want to waste your time on some backwater garrison drilling all day long? 
battle that will probably never come. Aside, where did it go? I just lost it. Aside from bandits and pirates that pose no challenge to you? You, who has survived so long in combat zones, are too crafty and wily to be killed by mere bandits. You will die old, toothless in a bed, never having your final battle. But you can make a fresh start. You can see, I feel like Duncan Fisher. All anyway, <laughs> I love George. George and I are really good friends. Anyway, you can see your SWAC for a list of available opportunities. You could become an advisor to the technician, scientist, or laborer cast. These members of our clan are in constant need of supervision and would relish the opportunity to listen to your stories of combat. In addition, your wealth of knowledge and experience can pay off by creating and improving the machinery and tactics used in future warfare. Most senescent warriors tend to make good teachers for the younger generation, even the ones that don't listen to you. Discipline and experience, which you have in abundance, are hallmarks of veteran warriors, and who better than veterans to pass on and mold the minds of the up-and-coming generation? Pause for water. Remember to hydrate, hydrate kids. There, there's my, my warm-up for the thing. <clears throat> Consider applying to become a Sibco trainer or crash minder. Pass on your years of experience to the next generation. Assignment as a falconer for our clan's fledglings is a it's a pass no is a rewarding way for you to pass on a part of yourself without earning a blood name. The knowledge that you have accumulated over the knowledge you have accumulated over your years of service no, it's not what it says. Over your years of serving the Falcons is the best way to prove <laughs> And this is how it begins to fall apart <laughs> like Devlin Stone. <laughs> Is the best way to is the best way to preserve your legacy? Not him. Oh God, no. <clears throat> is the best way to preserve your legacy? Think about it. How many times throughout your own career have you heard your own Falconer's voices offer words of advice on how to solve a problem that seemed insurmountable? Just remember, youth and skill does not often prevail against experience and wisdom. The SWA also encourages you to find a hobby that does not tax your strength. Many older warriors find new ways to pass their ample free time now that the training and battles have finished with them. For example, board games, painting, knitting, macrame, future build furniture. Fur not future. It doesn't say future trends. Stop reading the word. Macrame, furniture building, modeling. Because who doesn't love the sight of a lovely warrior? Just mailing. Just like Jonathan Majors on the cover of Ebony. Anyway, <clears throat> where was I? Right. Modeling and metalworking. Just to name a few. Be wary of any sport proposed by older spheroids. Golf and shuffleboard are not for the faint of heart as you get up there. Not for the faint of heart as you get up there in years, as it is very easy to injure yourself by turning the wrong way, or looking down, or even sleeping. Horticulture also brings many a warrior. Mm. Horticulture also brings many warriors pleasure, as they have spent so many years causing destruction and death that they dive headfirst into something that helps to create. No, it doesn't say to. That helps create life and beauty in an otherwise empty existence. But here you are, at the end of one battlefield, and looking for the next fight. This fight will be different than others, however. 
This is a battle within yourself. You are fighting your warrior nature to do something that does not fit within the persona you have built for yourself since the day you were decanted. It is time to move on. Your clan has determined you can be useful elsewhere by making room for a younger generation of warriors, and there is no trial of refusal for this task. See your SWAC today for more information on the Senescent Warrior Association. That was fantastic. Bravo. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, that was fantastic. I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> concede, you. Ben. That was fantastic. <laughs> I, I did going... the uh, Duncan Fisher vibes through that as well. Trend. Oh, man. I loved was, it. It was wonderful. It's funny. When I was reading it the first time you guys sent it to me, I was like going through it. I'm like, okay, I could do a kind of a game show host thing with this. All right. Yeah, I can see that working. Yeah. All right. And I just kind of let it go. And it wasn't until I was the point where I was like, I'm getting Duncan Fisher. But that was the moment that I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is Duncan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was I was going for that cheesy, like, VA pamphlet on how to improve your life kind of thing. <laughs> Uh huh. You know, I've read too many of those. <laughs> yeah, no one thinks yeah. about the Solama Warriors. They don't, man. They don't. I was surprised when I pitched that a couple of while. Uh, shit. Last summer, I think John's like, or uh, Phil Lee's is like, yeah, let's do that. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't think I was serious. <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> Damn. No, okay. I do it. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> and he's like, but let's make it Jade Falcons. I'm like, even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that <sounds good> to <laughs> me. Oh man, that was great. Yeah, there's two Jade Falcons in in the chat right now. How how do y'all no. feel about that story? I liked it. Why would I care about old people? <laughs> aren't, aren't you old already? Well, there's only one Jade Falcon and a Davian Bondsman. That's right. That's right. John's my Bondsman right now. <laughs> <laughs> For at least another year. Some sort of divine tragedy, I think, maybe. I, I think you only have him for eight or for ten more months. Well, it started after LVO, so No, you wanted it, you want you beat him in December and you True. made the agreement that you could uh that he could yeah. play Jade Falcon at LVO. Or well, yeah. something like that. If he could go. Yeah, it's yeah. December to December. Yeah. Yeah. So all good. No trial of refusal for you, old timer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah you ain't clan no more. That's the thing that I wanted to tell you kids about. <laughs> it's called the clan invasion. Back in my day, we didn't have this fancy interfere stuff. I need a cybernetic prostate. Just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was awesome. Well, Trent, thank you very much for doing that for us. That was, that was awesome. That was fun. You're more than welcome to hang out for the rest of the podcast if you want to. Otherwise, we're just going to be talking about tabletop stuff and local Colorado stuff. I do have go ahead. I do have I do have a deep dive on the Highlanders if you want to stick around for that. (laughs) You said you're a Highlander fan. Mm -hmm. Of course, my reading of it is not going to be as good as yours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean that takes us into our uh, return and report section. So uh, obviously, we had a. we had a event earlier in the north uh, for the Succession Wars. Matt and John, take it away. John, you wanna you wanna give the description and talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So um, on the 18th, Matt and I ran an event called Battlefronts uh, Fourth Succession War. It's going to be a series that we're starting with the fourth, and we're going to go 
progressively for the eras. So everyone gets a taste of like, what's the story? You know, it's like a little, just a little nugget of what's the story? What's the tech? What's going on? And I want to play against peers from that era, that technological era. Um, and it went really well. We had uh, 20 players show up to Hobbytown Westminster. Um, it was 16 Alpha Strike players and, or yeah, 14 Alpha Strike players and six classic players. Uh, we managed to get in three rounds of classic, four rounds of Alpha Strike. So it was a lot of gaming. I was pretty like shot by the end of it. Um, I don't know where I'm going. Where? What do? Yeah, so it, it was it was really fun. We had good attendance. We had good amount of swag. Lots of lots of fun stuff. And the the missions kind of coincided, or at least linked between the two, where we kind of had a build up from the start. We had kind of like a raid type scenario, and then we kind of moved up to more of a, a conflict over supplies to kind of set up the the last um scenario type where it was kind of the big bring your big boys out and uh and play yeah we had a lot of uh, a lot of fun and uh we look forward forward to doing clan invasion here in the next couple months so stay tuned for more details on that and yes then we'll flick it back over to dave over there for a report on yesterday's event do it dave all right so yesterday we had the uh the Genghis Khan tournament out at the Hyatt Regency in Aurora. Uh, it was a really good event. We had 16 players that showed up and we did four rounds of Alpha Strike 350. Uh, the best part about the day, I think, was that we had a lot of new players and we had a lot of people that were either brand new to Alpha Strike or they were brand new to 350 and they went out on a limb and entered into a tournament that uh, was just a brand new format to them. And I think everybody had a really good time. Uh, We had two players that ended up dropping uh, because they either couldn't make it or they decided to go play another game, but which was great because the space that we had available to us was quite small and we fit just enough tables in for the players that we had. Uh, Give me one second to pull up the actual final standings the unscrewed up final standings yeah ben what happened what what the fuck what happened you put a marine in charge of numbers man <laughs> you guys oh my bad yeah, yeah. Hey, man, i wasn't trained properly on that shit yeah there's like there was three no field manual, hit. like you had to enter in objectives mov and who won and you forgot right. one third of it i mean i didn't give a shit about who won because <laughs> it wasn't you even though you the second time. Dave at the same time it did take you like 8 to 12 hours to post the actual final standings on the disc okay number one it took 3 hours to get home and then I watched a hockey game with my wife so no, more important no than excuse. that and then I fell asleep on the couch old man Fine. my bad <laughs> I will take the hit for this so the uh, final standings for the uh, tournament were uh, Logan Cordova took Top spot in first place. Ben Kleinfelter took second place. And Jack took third. For the top 10, we had Max, Rick, Manny, Neil, Jeremy, and Matt. You were the ninth place. And then final top 10 was James Toth. Like I said, a big thank you to all the new players that came out. It was, 
you guys are why we do these events. We we want to spread BattleTech out to everyone that we can, and these events are how we do it. So a big thank you. I'm going to try and hit everybody that was new. If I forget one or two people, I hope I don't. But uh, Brian Daltrey, Sora, Ryland, Steven, James, and I think Mike Collins were all the new players that had never played in a tournament before. So I hope you guys had a really good time. It was great that we were able to give you a little bit more swag to go home with. Each of the brand new players got to walk away with a set of the, uh, or a pair of the custom dice that we have for the podcast. The uh, winners of the tournament overall each walked away with a, uh, a force pack, the Wolfnet acrylic measuring tool, and a, a Valhalla Club uh, sticker. So with the tournament, round one was hold the line. Uh, round two was king of the hill. Round three was domination, and round four was capture the flag. So I do have to address one of the one of the issues that we came up that we encountered at the end of uh, game four Spicy. on the uh, on the stream table. Uh, we did have we we had an issue where one of the two players made a move that was technically an illegal move, and we worked it out between the three of us. The first attempt was to reset the game state back two rounds before the move was made. The players decided to continue it on themselves, and then uh, the game was conceded. So a little bit of a controversial end to the, to the end of the tournament on the top table, but we were able to discuss it between the three of us and... Uh, we that's how we came up with uh, with Logan being in first place and Ben being in second and Jack being in third. So that's one of the hard things about being a TO is sometimes there are moves that happen in the game that you may not have considered before and you have to look up the rules. And let's be honest, Alpha Strike is not the perfect rule set that we wish it were. But sometimes the language and the rules are not quite as clear as we would like them to be, and we have to make a judgment call on the uh, in the moment on the table. So we made that call. We moved on. Everyone seemed pretty happy walking away from it. So you know, I'll count that as a win. But for any of you that are out there, you know, thinking about being a TO for an event, just know that sometimes it happens, uh, and to always. Try and make the the call that is going to, you know, be the right call and do what's right by the rules. And that's that's my advice for that. I had a great time. I think everybody else had a great time. Aside from that small issue at the end of the day, it was a really great event. Genghis Khan was a pretty cool venue. Uh, there were a lot of interesting... Uh, vendors that were there and it's something we're we're going to consider doing again next year so we'll have to see how that stacks up against other conventions and what's out there and what's available and what we have in the schedule so you know were, thank you everyone for coming there were so many like rpg systems being played there i was i was pretty amazed by just room full of uh, just rooms full of different rpg systems being played so that was it was new to me and i thought it was really cool oh yeah that, and that was something that was very different from lvo is lvo was pretty much Warhammer and a couple of other games where Genghis Khan was almost 
equal. I mean, they had a whole room of bolt action. We shared a room with Legion, a Star Wars Legion. Uh, there was an entire room of D&D Adventure League and then a whole bunch of open open gaming. And I didn't have a chance to walk around and look in all the rooms that I would have liked to, but it looked like it was a really, really good a wide swath of uh, different games. Everyone was there enjoying it, and it was not nearly as crowded as LVO was. Ben, what did you think of the uh, of the event? You were there. Oh shit, I was. Um, <laughs> yeah, you only came in second. Yeah, it was good, man. I I went in there with one goal, and I just wanted to do a para drop with my little MI six extraction team squad that I had, and did so it work? I, I did. I did it on domination and. Uh, it worked out really well. So other than that, I, I thought it was a good, good event. It did start getting a little warm in there. Um, you got a little uh, warm and a little smelly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't know if the AC unit was able to keep up with the amount of bodies. I think we had what, maybe a hundred, 150 people in that one room that we were in. Uh, I don't know if it was that many. I mean, they had 40, they had 40 players. So we had 20, so 60. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it went well. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of learning that went on with uh, a lot of the new players. So I think it uh, they took away something from it besides just a mini and uh, hope they continue. Ben, when you do the airdrop for the MI6, do you do the uh, the Mission Impossible tune or James Bond tune? Uh, I'm old, man. So I do the James Bond thing. OK. And it was in a chopper too. There used to be a Mission Impossible series. Did you know that? Yes. Yes. It was very good. Old school stuff, man. Yeah, I think it went well. That wraps up the main medal. So moving on to the unit deep dive, Ben, take it away with the Northwind Highlanders. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I've been ready. Does it matter? All right, folks, this month's uh, S2 brief is going to be on the Northwind Highlanders. Uh, slide. Next slide, please. <laughs> click, click, click. All right. Founded in 2362 with the formation of the first Kearney Highlanders by Clan Stewart, a group of Scots that included the descendants of the last vestiges of the original Scottish regiments on Terra. The Highlanders colonized the planet Northwind largely due to its agreeable climate. The regiment was a success, leading to the formation of the second Kearney Highlanders in 2369 and McCormick's Fusiliers in 2377. The Highlanders achieved fame far and wide through human space, even before the Star League was formed. Later, they were part, they were of the League's more respected units by the SLDF, and the Royal Black Watch members who protected the First Lord were mainly recruited from the best Highlanders. After the Watch was destroyed in the Amorous Civil War, some surviving members hid among the Highlanders, keeping the unit's traditions alive. Throughout the centuries, the Highlanders earned a reputation as an elite unit with high standards and morals that were not for sale. But even before Operation Exodus, the Highlander regiments had grown apart from Northwind clan elders and accepted a contract with the Capone Confederation in what was essentially an exclusive contract. When the Federated Sons invaded Northwind and destroyed two Highlander regiments recently founded, the Highlander regiments accepted it with stoicism and during the succession wars, served House Lyle with honor and loyalty. 
as when the second Kearney spent 40 years hunting down every member of Gladstone's Gladiators, a mercenary command that had breached contract with the Confederation, or when the first Kearney faced down the defeated Wolf's Dragoon's Zeta Battalion. The situation changed, however, when Prince Hans Davian of the Federated Sons decided to invade the Capellan Confederation in what would become known as the Fourth Succession War. A turning point in Highlander's history was when Davian contacted them and promised them a home on their ancestral homeworld, Northwind, and they accepted by signing the Northwind Agreement. The vast majority of Highlanders chose to abandon the Capellan Confederation and took up station on Northwind. Some Highlanders chose to stay, however, creating rifts in some families. The Highlanders ably served the Federated Commonwealth, including service along the clan front. In 3059, the Highlanders contributed forces to Task Force Serpent, a Star League force sent to destroy Clan Smoke Jaguar on their homeworld of Huntress. In 3066, the Highlanders joined Jamie Wolf and Wolf's Dragoons in the Allied Mercenary Command, an alliance dedicated to stripping, stopping World of Blake expansion in the Chaos March. The sudden consecutive deaths of four clan elders forced the Highlanders to activate escape clauses in their contracts to return to Northwind so they could participate in emergency elections. The word of Blake seized the opportunity to blockade the system on 15 December 3067 and keep all the Highlander regiments isolated on Northwind. Northwind was liberated on the 8th of December 3077. Allied coalition forces expected a battle, but instead found no Blake's presence in the system. The population of Northwind claimed to believe that the word of Blake had an impenetrable blockade over the system. All the local aerospace assets were missing and the local satellite communications network had been destroyed. The planetary HPG had also been destroyed, but the Highlanders were otherwise intact after 10 years of isolation. The Highlanders later joined coalition forces as part of Operation Scour. Assigned to the Draconis Combine Front, the Highlanders mopped up resistance on Dirian after the Ghost Bears tore through the defenses. Though many were unsure of their loyalty, the Highlanders joined the assault on Terra, assigned to take Sydney. The combat drop went awry, and the Sydney forces took serious losses. The 7th and 26th Divisions fought the mercenaries for every centimeter of land. With the fall of the War to Blake and the rise of the Republic of the Sphere, Northwind would fall under the influence of the Republic and made many of the Highlanders question their potential new role. When the Northwind Highlanders officially joined the Republic Armed Forces through negotiations, the entire brigade would end up being absorbed and mixed in with the newborn regiments of the Republic, with the exception of the 1st Kearney. The 1st Kearney would be allowed to soldier on as continuing legacy of the Northwind Highlanders' history. Four of the regiments would fight in the Republic's first military action, Operation Golden Dawn, where they would fight the Free Worlds League and be later absorbed into the Republic auxiliaries as they became too damaged to function on their own. Elements of the Highlanders would be noted later becoming the 9th and 10th Hestadi Sentinels. The first Kearney's rebuilding process would be hampered for years due to actions taken during Operation Golden Dawn, where one of the battalions would be used to rebuild the 3rd Republic auxiliaries. In the early years of the Republic, after the brigade was reduced to the 1st Kearney, the regiment served as a garrison force defending the Northwind Military Academy. As time went on, the Highlanders' last regiment would soon deploy off-world in a new role as a troubleshooting force for the Republic. With the events of Grey Monday, the Highlanders were in a precarious position and the leadership of the planet and the unit put out a call to arms to protect Northwind and the surrounding systems. The Highlanders once again would become a multi-regiment unit. The first Kearney was within Prefecture 10 when the fortress walls went up in October 3135. The RAF was ordered to organize its combat units with, within Prefecture 10, including the first Kearney, 
into other newly raised line regiments. This did not sit well with the people of Northwind, and to appease the population of the newly formed 12th Hastati Sentinels would be raised with a large percentage of soldiers who had ancestral links to the Highlander regiments. The newly formed regiment maintained a close relationship with the Northwind Military Academy, rotating officers as instructors to the school and exercising with cadets as part of their training. The Battle for Terra After defeating the Capellan invasion, the Highlanders, or at least part of them, traveled to Terra, helping defend the planet against the invasion of Clan Wolf and Clan Jade Falcon. In Europe, mainly against the last ones of the Highlanders, until the wolf Khan Alaric Ward attracted them to their ancestral lands of Scotland. Despite the Highlanders' defeat of Ward, the wolf forces surrounded the Highlanders. Without alternative, Tara Campbell surrendered to Ward, accepting to become his bondsman. In exchange, the Highlanders would stay out of the fight until the Republic's defeat and surrender when they returned to Northwind. The wolves let the surviving Highlanders depart unmolested, and after they returned to Northwind, now an independent world, they dissolved the 12th Hastati to return the 1st Kearney to a full regiment. The pipes are sounding once again for the mercenary Highlanders, sounding for the call to arms. And that completes their history. You know, the Northwind Highlanders, to me, especially in their early history, they're like the epitome of a mercenary uh, group because they're, they go and they serve with uh, the old Capellans, which are, you know... Amongst the best of houses, of course, uh, because they're getting some money. And then, uh, da- you know, House Davian comes along. And he's like, well, I'll give you a planet if, if you leave them and just come serve with us. And then and then further on in their history, this like someone else offers them their independence from the Federated Commonwealth. And they're like, oh, OK, whatever. Anyways, they just seem to like, oh, wherever we can serve with money, it's all good. Yeah, and as long as we get to keep our our own space. Yeah, that's the thing is like, as long as you have, uh, you know, if we can have our planet, then we're all good, man. If you can keep us, you know, safely in our planet, then we'll do whatever you want. It's all good. Yeah. The fact that, uh, you said that it was an agreeable climate. I'm like, you mean like Scotland? Cause a lot of people <laughs> don't find that an agreeable climate. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. The, the, that North wind is an agreeable climate for them. Yeah. Well, I like to think that they're actually all from West Virginia and they're just like hyping up their Scottish. <laughs> Heritage. We've got a bunch of, bunch of Appalachians. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moonshine, drinking, Highlanders. Paid in Blood. That was the second <laughs> book. So there was... Tactics uh, of Duty. Yeah. Greywatch Protocol, then Paid in Blood. Uh, oh. I'm talking about going all the way back. Oh, no. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm current on Oak Clan era for, oh. <laughs> for those two books. Um so for just, I guess, another follow-up question for, for Trent here. I don't know if you read those either of those books. Not yet. Um, but, okay. When you went through the, the part where Alaric was, you know, stomping around on Scottish territory, like what was going through your mind at that time when you were reading that and um, like calling call Tara back to and all that. And then I guess even her eventual outcome question mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was going to say question mark <clears throat> um one of the things that in dnd i tend to play druids so every time i see mechs busting through trees and tearing shit up i'm like Would you please stop it stop it you're messing up my world um but you know the idea of of the wolves tromping through the healings 
and uh, and whatnot, just leaving huge, you know, foot pads in in everything, and just just tearing up the the, the heath and whatnot. It, it, on the one hand, it kind of bothers me, but in Hour of the Wolf, there was a point towards the end where Alaric asked Chance, you know, how are we doing on repairing the damages here to to Earth? I'm like, okay, all right, fine. Then you know, as as long as you 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 have the responsibility to go through and clean up the mess you made that's cool i can respect that that's fine when i read through the first time you know i was like okay all right this will be this will be easy enough to 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 read through and then when i came back to it and was actually recording it um i got to the part where you know tara's like i beat you you know i mean allard is is down he is he's you know <laughs> all she got to do is blow his cockpit open and he's done and and even though I had read it before, you know, now that I'm performing it, I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm starting to get kind of, oh God, what's, what is, how's he going to get out of this? I'm like, read it already. You know how he, no, I, I get into it and I'm in the moment. And, and I really liked that part because there was, there was, there was some, some worry in it for me, even though part of my brain already knew how it was going to roll out. I had kind of compartmentalized it, uh, so that I didn't remember it until, I stopped reading for a moment, and I was like, "Oh, right, okay, everything's fine." I don't understand Clan Honor. Couldn't she have just been like, "You have to go home now"? <laughs> I would sure think so. Been like, "No, I don't have to." Yeah, this this is my home. That's why I'm here. Hmm. Say, I, I guess I'll ask a quick question before we go into to Highlander tactics and 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 further. But um, trend from your point of view, um, what do you see happening? in the unwritten future, having read the current Ilkhan books um, and narrated them um, for, for the Jade Falcons, now the new Star League Black Watch, um, and, and so on. Uh, what, are, what kind of, I guess, predictions might you have about um, those units and the way forward for the Ilkhan era? One of the things that, that Devlin Stone said to... Uh, Alaric a couple of times is that you know conquering is not the same thing as ruling, and he's absolutely right. There's very significant differences between those two, and it's easy to get kind of uh, focused in on what's going on with the Ill Clan and and you know, remaking the Star League and everything else. But all the houses are still out there. You know, all the other clans are still out there. There was a point where Devlin Stone's like, what's going on on the homeworlds right now? Do you even know? You know, it's like, you know, good luck repairing the HPG. A lot of that is is going to, I think, come into play. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Ill Clan and and um, a lot of the, the things that were kind of in the Prefecture 10. Because with, uh, even though Hell's Horse is, is kind of a bunch of, dickheads um they've still been capturing worlds on their way in uh, you know that the, the worlds that have basically been abandoned and they may not have had enough time to really set up the infrastructure to be a significant threat but they have enough to be a potential thorn in the side of a very newly you know formed fledgling ill clan um so i think that uh um there are, there are there's just a plethora of possibilities of the individual houses that could pose a threat because you know the the, the wolves and, and jade falcon well the ill clan they're gonna have to uh, re- restore themselves they're gonna have to recuperate from the fight 
And as long as Fortress Republic is up, they've got a little bit of a boundary, but there are other people out there who know how to get through it. And if that word gets spread so that anybody can get through it at any time, then the wall doesn't really do any good and you might as well take it down. But then you've got to deal with the oncoming wave. So there's a lot of possibility for what could, uh, you know, what, what could come from all of this. And I think it's, it's a lot of fertile ground to play with. Really looking forward to it. Tommy, what do you feel about your, uh, your Jade Falcons becoming the Black Watch and how do you think that's going to go forward? Well, <clears throat> with the Black Watch. Well, he, uh, he hasn't heard the book yet because it's not out yet. That's true. That's true. Well, he said he, he read, actually, he actually read Hour of the Wolf. So, oh, okay. That's right. It, it was one of those. Uh, so, so uh, I, re- I listen to all the books that I, I try to listen to. And then if uh, we uh, do a, a book reading on the WNRP podcast, and then I'm forced into reading. Um, <laughs> yes, I did say that. Forced into reading. You guys do um, that? I try not to. <laughs> Charles comes uh-huh. out with a yardstick, starts slapping people. <laughs> so uh, I uh, I read I read the book. Uh, I really look forward to listening to the book because then it's not me, like I said before. But um, I'm hoping um, that the Jade Falcons can start going uh, into S- Stephanie Chistu or however you want to call her last name. Yep. And I hope they go towards that realm of uh, Jade Falcon, the the honorable, the Aiden Pride variant of... uh, No longer batshit crazy? (laughs) (laughs) That's a light way of putting it. Um, But... I mean, warships are remodeling tools. Yeah, right? I feel that, like, the... the, uh, like what the like uh <laughs> my, okay so I know my my wife's been watching the walking dead i feel the 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 uh the jade falcons out in the uh out in the uh, uh not on earth is like the people of walking dead they have no way of what to do they don't know they're just doing what they think they need to do cuz they're just they don't have any Direction. Uh, direction. There we go. There's the word. Um in life right now. So I hope the Jade Falcons could come out of this. Yeah. I I really want to make a, a Black Watch list that is one on, on the top five of what I really want to do. But I, I haven't find that I haven't found a competitive way of doing it. So um I uh I look forward to see hearing more books or listening to more books or reading more books on the Jade Falcon watch. So cool. Yeah. It's gonna be that's gonna be a big fat nag over here. We gotta we gotta break out the clans, boys. Can't be subservient to the wolves. So I, I do agree with that. I hate Alaric or Alaric yeah. or that yeah. deep douchebag. So. Johnny our own sinking ship in the influence. Okay. John, totally. John's all about that Mongol lifestyle. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Are you house horses as well. Cause that's where they took it from. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Mackey, Mr. Mackey teaches clan honor. No, kill, kill <laughs> civilians is bad. Okay? <laughs> blowing up spaceships. Don't, don't do that. You know, so I don't, I'm, I'm not about it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. 
All right, so what's next? Tactics. Ooh, that's a fun topic. All right. The tactics of the Northwind Highlanders. All right, Jimmy. You're going to jump on the other one with your <laughs> mech, and it's going to be I'll, real good. I'll just mute him. <laughs> I'll cut it out. <laughs> All right. Uh, the tactics for the Northwind Highlanders, they differ by unit. However, the Highlanders favored saturating the radio waves with bagpipe music to jam the enemy's communications and cause confusion. Even playing it on their mechs and tanks loudspeakers. The sound disturbed the enemy, but motivated the Highlanders. Highlanders also favor the famed Highlander burial maneuver. The four active Highlander regiments each possess a separate command company and an aerospace fighter wing. Each battalion has its own command lance. Each regiment has at least one company of combat vehicles instead of battle mechs, giving the command tactical flexibility and excellent skill at combined arms warfare. Infantry is rare among the Highlanders, with the only such formation of notable size attached to the first Kearney. Even during the Succession Wars, the Highlanders were known for their large number of Highlander battle mechs in their ranks. Most of these retained their Star League-era weaponry and components well into, into the Succession Wars, which contributed to the success of the Highlander units. Um, there's a listing of all kinds of different Highlander units. I'll run through real quick. Uh, the 1st Kearney Highlanders, the 2nd Kearney Highlanders, the 3rd Kearney, which was destroyed in 2841, the Northwind Fusiliers, the Northwind Hussars, McLeod's Regiment, Marion's Highlanders, Sterling's Fusiliers, formerly McCormick's Fusiliers, the Republican Guards, Stewart's Highlanders, destroyed in 2841, the 1st Gurkhas, and the Grey Watch. And they also have a naval command, which is Sterling's Fleet. For the, was it the fifth fifth unit you listed off? I've always read it, again, this goes back to pronunciation, but I've always read it as Hussars. <laughs> I say Hussars. Hussars. <laughs> pronunciation is Hussars sounds like you're like a troubled Nebraska fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm, That's a Husker. <laughs> my, my brain has always read Hussars. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Color schemes. Color schemes for the Northwind Highlanders. Honoring their roots to ancient Scotland, the Northwind Highlanders would add tartan accents on their equipment based on what clan they were with. And that's all their color schemes. So you can do whatever you want. Just add some tartan to it. Everything's better with tartan, right? Gotta be within the house. Correct. Sources for today were Sarna, the Northwind Highlanders Scenario Pack, uh, Field Manual Manual 3145, and the Oakland Sourcebook. And that completes your S2 briefing on the Northwind Highlanders. Ben, you were going to shout out someone else that's uh, helping cover the Highlanders as well. Absolutely. Thank you for the reminder. Um, For those of you listening, if you ever get a chance and you're YouTube guys, uh, go check out Seth uh, White Fox. He's doing uh, similar things on a unit deep dive. Um, So definitely check out his YouTube channel. He's also covering uh, the new force packs and opinions of all that kind of stuff. And um, check him out, Seth. White Fox. That would be the Mercenary Star podcasts on there you go. YouTube and all the streaming things for podcasts. Because uh, if you just search Seth um, on Spotify, you probably won't find it. <laughs> but good, good call, man. I don't, I don't yeah. do a lot of YouTube, so it's, I don't know. It's Mercenary Star. Cool. All right. Get some drinks. Refill. I mean, Ben. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And and there's that. Time for the drink of the month. Drink of the month. It's rum. That's right. 
Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master of Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirs, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. Alright folks, this, uh, this Drink of the Month is brought to you by the Gauss Rifle. The Gauss Rifle. However you want to pronounce it. Gauss? 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 Gauss. Oh, it's pronounced it Gauss. It's yeah. regional. Yeah. So the Gauss Rifle consists of dark rum, one and a half ounces, light rum, one and a half ounces, grenadine, one and a half ounces, triple sec, one and a quarter ounces, and then find you some eight, eight or so silver cake decorating balls or tapioca pearls to put in there and drink Jelly it. beans? Or even jelly, jelly beans. Not small jelly, jelly beans. beans. No. <laughs> The 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 cake decorating Gauss. balls, those are actually easy to find. Yes. Gauss. Gauss. There you go. That is Bing <laughs> pronouncing it for you. Gauss. Gauss. Uh-huh. Gauss. Anybody, anybody know the significance of the eight silver cake decorating balls? Well, that's what? the silver nickel ball that comes out of a Gauss rifle. Why is it eight though? Uh because that's one ton. That's one ton of ammo in a Gauss rifle. Boom. Correct, Mike. Boom. Dang, dude. You nerds. And that's why the Hollander is awesome. Because it's a mech built around a Gauss rifle. Uh, so, Ben, how does this drink taste? Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a rum fan. I never have been. What? So, I tried it. Mm, I could do without it. It needs more bourbon. That's what it needs. Department of the Navy doesn't <laughs> like rum? What is wrong with you? We had grog. That was different. <laughs> it's like an asterisk. <laughs> There's always rum in the Navy and Department mm. of the Navy. Not the Marine Corps, man. No. Department of the Navy. We end up with wild turkey and tequila and shit. That's where you end up, no. but you start with, you know, the rum, right? <laughs> nah. Not us. That's for those people on those ships and stuff. So Was it smooth, rough, harsh uh, afterburn? I I found it burny. I'm not a I'm not a fan because rum's got a spice to it. Man, you're just a not a rum guy. That's just or are you getting spiced rum? Are you so getting regular okay. rum, light rum, dark I'm, rum? There's so I'm, many rums. I don't I don't know what the difference one is. One light, one dark. Yeah, I'm a whiskey guy. Michael's taking this personally though. He's a rum guy. <laughs> he is. He is. I, he's I do enjoy rum, but like, I I don't know. I'm just also I'm confused now. You said you're a whiskey guy, but your name is Bourbon. Like, it's I get bourbon it. whiskey. Whis- <laughs> it's a bourbon whiskey, but there's a separation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so conflicted. Uh, I just drank straight rum for the episode, and that worked great for me. Hey, there you go. And that is your drink of the month, fellas. That's the drink of the month. Woo. There's the woo. This month's news from the neighborhood is pretty light. We do just invite everyone, please. Uh, join the uh, Facebook group, Colorado Battletech, and check out the uh, the Discord, the Colorado Battletech Discord, as well as our own uh, Valhalla Club Discord. Uh, we will be posting up any events that uh, local players are hosting, and we'll try and spread the word as far as we can to make sure everyone is aware of what's going on. But we do not have any, uh, any scheduled events until uh, Q2, and I believe we are looking at the Pueblo event happening sometime in June. So more to follow on that, guys. 
And links for the Facebook groups and Discord invites are all in the show notes of uh, whichever, uh, however you get there through your streaming service. But yeah, they are linked. What's next? Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout out. Why don't we let our guests go first? Yeah. Trent, would you like to shout out anyone who is important to your work or that you would just like to thank in general? Well, I mean, you know, all the people who, who listen to the, what are those things that I do? Audiobooks. Audiobooks. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, like you've got, you get a free credit every month and you use that on the, it's fine. Um, you know, as long as you enjoy them. And especially for those people who do, you know, comments on the reviews, because I, like I said, I read them all and the ones that I hated this, this didn't work. You know, if there's something I'm doing that you don't like, tell me if I can do something about it, I will. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have Lisa Lee Lou of other, uh, narrators, because I was like, you have got to get women to narrate these parts. You can't have me doing this horrid, you know, falsetto all the time it just doesn't work and so you know now we're we're expanding the stable and we're, we're getting more people in and you know a lot of it is because of the the feedback that i see on the on the on the thing different streaming platforms okay sure yeah those comments. um <laughs> yeah the, thank you the comments the reviews all that stuff it's it's awesome um the uh the the other people that i guess i would shout out would be um uh the folks from you know from the battletech community in general because i mean i follow a lot of people on twitter who who do a lot of miniatures painting and stuff and there's just some unbelievable talent that seeing how these mechs look helps me to kind of get into the mood of you know what what is this combat scene going to be like when when all this stuff happens it's it's really really helpful and finally to all the folks at catalyst especially uh john helfers is the guy that hires me to do all of this stuff and to lisa lee uh my my fellow narrator and all of the new folks coming on board uh also uh robert austin who i believe is going to be doing more more um uh battle tech as well and he's also the audiobook editor so yeah uh, me uh shouts out shout out to all the podcasters since you guys aren't the only ones <laughs> uh to all the wnrp guys to uh definitely seth uh white fox um you guys of course and then uh and anybody else that likes to listen to what i say i say which is not a lot <laughs> <laughs> then clearly you should say more <laughs> well, thank you Words of wisdom. Ben. Uh, I'm going to shout out uh, Seth White Fox and uh, the Mercenary Star uh, YouTube channel again. Um, he's doing some some fantastic work over there. There you go, Mike. Fantastic. Um, and uh, big thanks to uh, Charles and Dave for uh, putting on uh, Genghis Khan for uh, the Denver crew. So, Or the Colorado crew, I'm sorry. So thanks, thank you guys for doing that. Matt? Thanks to Trent for coming on today, as well as just, you know, kind of giving his his talent to our community, which I, I really love. I'm, I definitely enjoy consuming any type of emotional read of, of, a, of a novel or uh, any material. Uh, so anything like 
that even approximates a kind of a radio drama type thing where you where you actually get to feel what the characters are feeling is fantastic and uh as well as the people all all those players that came out to our battlefronts our first battlefronts event uh we really appreciate everyone coming out having a great time and uh lastly john over here he he did a lot of work and uh really helped out getting the battlefronts events started so uh, that'll be it for me for this month. John, who is muted and maybe not there. Mike! After John, can I, uh, I have two more to do. Oh, go ahead, Tommy. Throw them in. I, uh, I wanted to give two special, uh, uh, thanks. Uh, without these two guys, I wouldn't have ever been into Battletech. And uh, I want to give props to Matt Barons and Luke Dirks, my two best friends, uh, growing up through high school. So props to them. The, is, is that the OG Colorado gang? Uh, no, uh, Luke uh, was in, is in Colorado, but no, this is uh, back in high school in Iowa. Ah, okay. Yeah, Charles is from Iowa, Mike. You know, I'm just here. Talk to people. All right, Mike, who are your shout-outs for? Look, I can't remember everything. Uh my shout out for me, uh, just one trend. Uh, thank you for your art and doing what you do. Um, I know I like to read, but not everyone likes to read. Um, and being able to uh, experience the still experience the story uh, through someone else's words um, is is great. Um, so thank you for doing what you do and contributing more to this community and just overall. My overall shout out is just to the Battletech community as a whole. I think we're the best. Um, really um, accepting, helpful, all just all of the things is just, I think is the best community. And that's where I'm going to leave it. So thanks to the community. Thank you, Trent, for doing what you do and your art and your craft uh, because it is an art and a craft. Um, so thanks. Sure. Uh, happy to do so. And we lost John. Just now. So I guess I'll go next. Um, I'll I'll sound like a, a bit of a broken record, but Trent, thank you very much for you know coming on the show with us and for doing what you do. I know I thoroughly enjoy the audiobooks, and I think there are a lot of other people out there that do. So thank you very much for for sharing sharing your talent with those of us in the BattleTech community, and for especially for coming onto the show with us, especially with your flipped sleep schedule we right. we appreciate it uh and my other shout outs go out to all the new the new players that are just joining this universe that are you know dipping their toe into coming to events and to exploring the deep dark hole that is the BattleTech fandom so thank you very much uh for the for all the new players in colorado Join the Discord. Come talk to us. We're happy to uh, chat up just about any any topic that you can think of except aliens, because aliens don't belong in Battletech. But anyway, uh, all the new players that showed up to Genghis Khan, I hope you had a great time. And we really it was really great meeting you, and we look forward to seeing you at more events. So those are my shout-outs. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah. Woo! That's the last call. Yep. Last call. Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club. Special thanks to our sponsor, Ares Games and Miniatures. 
Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at the Valhalla Club at Outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, Nick fans. Craig. 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 Dave should stop speaking with jelly beans in his fucking mouth. (laughs) Right? It's not my fault that they came out today and I was at the grocery store. They are delicious. I can go gargle. When I go into editing, this is going to piss me off so much. (laughs) I'm here to make your life difficult, Mike. Yeah, That's you what posters do for their NCOs. We are here to have good ideas and make your life difficult. You may mute me here, right? But the <laughs> actual thing that comes out of Craig doesn't mute me. But at the end of the day, as the one that edits, I right. can mute whoever the fuck Aww. I want. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. I'm really glad I know that, that Craig is, is not a human being because... When you say the thing that comes out of Craig in the anime, oh, oh. <laughs> Mike, what's wrong with you? It's the fucking beans, man. <laughs> it's fucking jelly beans. See, what's funny is Craig must be picking it up because I don't see my mic activating when I'm messing with them, and Mike says that he can hear them. It's when you've got a mouthful of fucking jelly beans and you're trying to speak, you sound different and it's fucking me up and I hate you for it. (laughs) It's the fucking beans. This is how Trent does his voices. (laughs) Jelly beans. Absolutely. I have had I have had things where where characters have been well, I mean I mentioned earlier the eating toast thing, but I had toast. Yeah, I mean, there there was another thing where where like uh, uh, in 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 Hour of the Wolf where like Malvina blows a guy's jaw off, and so you know I've got to do this oh, thing where yeah. he's where you know he's like just trying, gurgling trying and, and I'm like I'm like ooh yeah okay that's gonna I be fun. remember that, that. yeah Holy I was shit. like I was like I gotta make him sound juicy when I do the yeah <laughs> fuck your beans somebody go tell Craig to go by. <laughs>